Chapter 10 of Practical Mysticism by Evelyn Underhill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carla Arnell, Lake Forest, Illinois. Chapter 10 The Mystical Life. And here, the practical man, who has been strangely silent during the last stages of our discourse, shakes himself like a terrier which has achieved dry land again after a bath, and asks once more, with a certain explosive violence, his dear old question, What is the use of all this? You have introduced me, he says further, to some curious states of consciousness, interesting enough in their way, and to a lot of peculiar emotions, many of which are no doubt most valuable to poets and so on. But it is all so remote from daily life. How is it going to fit in with ordinary existence? How, above all, is it all going to help me? Well, put upon its lowest plane, this new way of attending to life, this deepening and widening of outlook, may at least be as helpful to you as many things to which you have unhesitatingly consecrated much time and diligence in the past. Your long journeys to new countries, for instance, or long hours spent in acquiring new facts, relabeling old experiences, gaining skill in new arts and games. These, it is true, were quite worth the effort expended on them, for they gave you, in exchange for your labor and attention, a fresh view of certain fragmentary things, a new point of contact with the rich world of possibilities, a tiny enlargement of your universe in one direction or another. Your love and patient study of nature, art, science, politics, business, even of sport, repaid you thus. But I have offered you, in exchange for a meek and industrious attention to another aspect of the world, hitherto somewhat neglected by you, an enlargement which shall include and transcend all these, and be conditioned only by the perfection of your generosity, courage, and surrender. Nor are you to suppose that this enlargement will be limited to certain new spiritual perceptions which the art of contemplation has made possible for you, that it will merely draw the curtain from a window out of which you have never looked. This new wide world is not to be for you something seen, but something lived in. And you, since man is a creature of responses, will insensibly change under its influence, growing up into a more perfect conformity with it. Living in this atmosphere of reality, you will, in fact, yourself become more real. Hence, if you accept in a spirit of trust the suggestions which have been made to you, and I acknowledge that here at the beginning an attitude of faith is essential, and if you practice with diligence the arts which I have described, then, sooner or later, you will inevitably find yourself deeply and permanently changed by them, will perceive that you have become a new man. 
not merely have you acquired new powers of perception and new ideas of reality but a quiet and complete transformation a strengthening and maturing of your personality has taken place you are still it is true living the ordinary life of the body you are immersed in the stream of duration a part of the human the social the national group the emotions instincts needs of that group affect you your changing scrap of vitality contributes to its corporate life and contributes the more effectively since a new intuitive sympathy has now made its interests your own because of that corporate life transfusing you giving to you and taking from you conditioning you as it does in countless oblique and unapparent ways you are still compelled to react to many suggestions which you are no longer able to respect controlled to the last moment of your bodily existence and perhaps afterwards by habit custom the good old average way of misunderstanding the world to this extent the crowd spirit has you in its grasp yet in spite of all this you are now released from that crowd's tyrannically overwhelming consciousness as you never were before you feel yourself now a separate vivid entity a real whole man dependent on the whole and gladly so dependent yet within that whole a free self-governing thing perhaps you always fancied that your will was free that you were actually as you sometimes said the captain of your soul if so this was merely one amongst the many illusions which supported your old enslaved career as a matter of fact you were driven along a road unaware of anything that lay beyond the hedges pressed on every side by other members of the flock getting perhaps a certain satisfaction out of the deep warm stir of the collective life but ignorant of your destination and with your personal initiative limited to the snatching of grass as you went along the pushing of your way to the softer side of the track these operations made up together that which you called success but now because you have achieved a certain power of gathering yourself together perceiving yourself as a person a spirit and observing your relation with these other individual lives because too hearing now and again the mysterious piping of the shepherd you realize your own perpetual forward movement and that of the flock in its relation to that living guide you have a far deeper truer knowledge than ever before both of the general and the individual existence and so are able to handle life with a sure hand do not suppose from this that your new career is to be perpetually supported by agreeable spiritual contacts or occupy itself in the mild contemplation of the great world through which you move true it is said of the shepherd that he carries the lambs in his bosom but the sheep are expected to walk and put up with the inequalities of the road 
the bunts and blunders of the flock. It is to vigor rather than to comfort that you are called. Since the transcendental aspect of your being has been brought into focus, you are now raised out of the mere push-forward, the blind passage through time of the flock, into a position of creative responsibility. You are aware of personal correspondences with the shepherd. You correspond, too, with a larger, deeper, broader world. The sky and the hedges, the wide lands through which you are moving, the corporate character and meaning of the group to which you belong. All these are now within the circle of your consciousness. And each little event, each separate demand or invitation which comes to you, is now seen in a truer proportion, because you bring to it your awareness of the whole. Your journey ceases to be an automatic progress and takes on some of the characters of a free act. For things are now under you. You are no longer under them. You will hardly deny that this is a practical gain, that this widening and deepening of the range over which your powers of perception work makes you more of a man than you were before and thus adds to, rather than subtracts from, your total practical efficiency. It is indeed only when he reaches these levels and feels within himself this creative freedom, this full actualization of himself, on the one hand, on the other hand, the sense of a world order, a love and energy on which he depends and with whose interests he is now at one, that man becomes fully human, capable of living the real life of eternity in the midst of the world of time. And what, when you have come to it, do you suppose to be your own function in this vast twofold scheme? Is it for nothing, do you think, that you are thus a meeting place of two orders? Surely it is your business, so far as you may, to express in action something of the real character of that universe within which you now know yourself to live? Artists, aware of a more vivid and more beautiful world than other men, are always driven by their love and enthusiasm to try and express, bring into direct manifestation those deeper significances of form, sound, rhythm, which they have been able to apprehend. And, doing this, they taste deeper and deeper truths, make ever closer unions with the real. For them, the duty of creation is tightly bound up with the gift of love. In their passionate outflowing to the universe, which offers itself under one of its many aspects to their adoration, that otherworldly fruition of beauty is always followed, balanced, completed, by a this-world impulse to creation, a desire to fix within the time order and share with other men the vision by which they were possessed. Each one, thus bringing new aspects of beauty, new ways of seeing and hearing within the reach of the race, does something to amend the sorry universe of common sense, 
the more hideous universe of greed and redeem his fellows from their old slack servitude to a lower range of significances it is in action then that these find their truest and safest point of insertion into the living active world of reality in sharing and furthering its work of manifestation they know its secrets best for them contemplation and action are not opposites but two interdependent forms of a life that is one a life that rushes out to a passionate communion with the true and beautiful only that it may draw from this direct experience of reality a new intensity wherewith to handle the world of things and remake it or at least some little bit of it nearer to the heart's desire again the great mystics tell us that the vision of god in his own light the direct contact of the soul's substance with the absolute to which awful experience you drew as near as the quality of your spirit would permit in the third degree of contemplation is the prelude not to a further revelation of the eternal order given to you but to an utter change a vivid life springing up within you which they sometimes call the transforming union or the birth of the sun in the soul by this they mean that the spark of spiritual stuff that high special power or character of human nature by which you first desired then tended to then achieved contact with reality is as it were fertilized by this profound communion with its origin becomes strong and vigorous invades and transmutes the whole personality and makes of it not a dreamy mystic but an active and impassioned servant of the eternal wisdom so that when these full-grown fully vital mystics try to tell us about the life they have achieved it is always an intensely active life that they describe they say not that they dwell in restful fruition though the deep and joyous knowledge of this perhaps too the perpetual longing for an utter self-loss in it is always possessed by them but that they go up and down the ladder of contemplation they stretch up towards the point the unique reality to which all the intricate and many-coloured lines of life flow and in which they are merged and rush out towards those various lives in a passion of active love and service this double activity this swinging between rest and work this alone they say is truly the life of man because this alone represents on human levels something of that inexhaustibly rich yet simple life ever active yet ever at rest which they find in god when he gets to this then man has indeed actualized his union with reality because then he is a part of the perpetual creative act the eternal generation of the divine thought and love therefore contemplation even at its highest dearest and most intimate is not to be for you an end in itself 
it shall only be truly yours when it impels you to action when the double movement of transcendent love drawing inwards to unity and fruition and rushing out again to creative acts is realized in you you are to be a living ardent tool with which the supreme artist works one of the instruments of his self-manifestation the perpetual process by which his reality is brought into concrete expression now the expression of vision of reality of beauty at an artist's hands the creation of new life in all forms has two factors the living molding creative spirit and the material in which it works between these two there is inevitably a difference of tension the material is at best inert and merely patient of the informing idea at worst directly recalcitrant to it hence according to the balance of these two factors the amount of resistance offered by stuff to tool a greater or less energy must be expended greater or less perfection of result will be achieved you accepting the wide deep universe of the mystic and the responsibilities that go with it have by this act taken sides once for all with creative spirit with the higher tension the unrelaxed effort the passion for a better intenser and more significant life the adoration to which you are vowed is not an affair of red hassocks and authorized hymn-books but a burning and consuming fire you will find then that the world going its own gate busily occupied with its own system of correspondences yielding to every gust of passion intent on the satisfaction of greed the struggle for comfort or for power will oppose your new eagerness perhaps with violence but more probably with the exasperating calmness of a heavy animal which refuses to get up if your new life is worth anything it will flame to sharper power when it strikes against this dogged inertness of things for you need resistances on which to act the road to a yea lies through a nay and righteous warfare is the only way to a living and a lasting peace further you will observe more and more clearly that the stuff of your external world the method and machinery of the common life is not merely passively but actively inconsistent with your sharp interior vision of truth the heavy animal is diseased as well as indolent all man's perverse ways of seeing his universe all the perverse and hideous acts which have sprung from them these have set up reactions have produced deep disorders in the world of things man is free and holds the keys of hell as well as the keys of heaven within the love driven universe which you have learned to see as a whole you will therefore find egotism rebellion meanness brutality squalor the work of separated selves whose energies are set athwart the stream but every aspect of life however falsely imagined 
can still be saved turn to the purposes of reality for all thing hath the being by the love of god its oppositions are no part of its realness and therefore they can be overcome is there not here then abundance of practical work for you to do work which is the direct outcome of your mystical experience are there not here as the french proverb has it plenty of cats for you to comb and isn't it just here in the new foothold it gives you the new clear vision and certitude in its noble serious and invulnerable faith that mysticism is useful even for the most scientific of social reformers the most belligerent of politicians the least sentimental of philanthropists to bring eternity into time the invisible into concrete expression to be to the eternal goodness what his own hand is to a man these are the plainly expressed desires of all the great mystics one and all they demand earnest and deliberate action the insertion of the purified and ardent will into the world of things the mystics are artists and the stuff in which they work is most often human life they want to heal the disharmony between the actual and the real and since in the white-hot radiance of that faith hope and charity which burns in them they discern such a reconciliation to be possible they are able to work for it with a singleness of purpose and an invincible optimism denied to other men this was the instinct which drove st francis of assisi to the practical experience of that poverty which he recognized as the highest wisdom st catherine of siena from contemplation to politics joan of arc to the salvation of france st teresa to the formation of an ideal religious family fox to the proclaiming of a world religion in which all men should be guided by the inner light florence nightingale to battle with officials vermin dirt and disease in the soldiers hospitals octavia hill to make in london slums something a little nearer the shadows of the angels houses than that which the practical landlord usually provides all these have felt sure that a great part in the drama of creation has been given to the free spirit of man that bit by bit through and by him the scattered worlds of love and thought and action shall be realized again as one it is for those who have found the thread on which those worlds are strung to bring this knowledge out of the hiddenness to use it as the old alchemists declared that they could use their tincture to transmute all baser metals into gold so here is your vocation set out a vocation so various in its opportunities that you can hardly fail to find something to do it is your business to actualize within the world of time and space perhaps by great endeavors in the field of heroic action 
perhaps only by small ones, in field and market, tram and tube, office and drawing-room, in the perpetual give-and-take of the common life, that more real life, that holy creative energy which this world manifests as a whole but indifferently. You shall work for mercy, order, beauty, significance, shall mend where you find things broken, make where you find the need. Adoro te devote, latens deitas, said St. Thomas in his great mystical hymn. And the practical side of that adoration consists in the bringing of the real presence from its hiddenness and exhibiting it before the eyes of other men. Hitherto you have not been very active in this matter, yet it is the purpose for which you exist, and your contemplative consciousness, if you educate it, will soon make this fact clear to you. The teeming life of nature has yielded up to your loving attention many sacramental images of reality. Seen in the light of charity, it is far more sacred and significant than you supposed. What about your life? Is that a theophany too? Each oak doth cry, I am, says Vaughan. Do you proclaim by your existence the grandeur, the beauty, the intensity, the living wonder of that eternal reality within which, at this moment, you stand? Do your hours of contemplation and of action harmonize? If they did harmonize, if everybody's did, then, by these individual adjustments, the complete group consciousness of humanity would be changed, brought back into conformity with the transcendent, and the spiritual world would be actualized within the temporal order at last. Then, that world of false imagination, senseless conflicts, and sham values into which our children are now born would be annihilated. The whole race, not merely a few of its noblest, most clear-sighted spirits, would be in union with God. And men, transfused by his light and heat, direct and willing agents of his pure activity, would achieve that completeness of life which the mystics dare to call deification. This is the substance of that redemption of the world which all religions proclaim or demand, the consummation which is crudely imagined in the apocalyptic dreams of the prophets and seers. It is the true incarnation of the divine wisdom, and you must learn to see with Paul the pains and disorders of creation, your own pains, efforts, and difficulties too, as incidents in the travail of that royal birth. Patriots have sometimes been asked to think imperially. Mystics are asked to think celestially. And this, not when considering the things usually called spiritual, but when dealing with the concrete accidents, the evil and sadness, the cruelty, failure, and degeneration of life. So, what is being offered to you is not merely a choice amongst new states of consciousness, new emotional experiences, though these are indeed involved in it, but 
above all else a larger and intenser life a career a total consecration to the interests of the real this life shall not be abstract and dreamy made up as some imagine of negations it shall be violently practical and affirmative giving scope for a limitless activity of will heart and mind working within the rhythms of the divine idea it shall cost much making perpetual demands on your loyalty trust and self-sacrifice proving now the need and the worth of that training and renunciation which was forced on you at the beginning of your interior life it shall be both deep and wide embracing in its span all those aspects of reality which the gradual extension of your contemplative powers has disclosed to you making the inner and outer worlds to be indivisibly one and because the emphasis is now forever shifted from the accidents to the substance of life it will matter little where and how this career is actualized whether in convent or factory study or battlefield multitude or solitude sickness or strength these fluctuations of circumstance will no longer dominate you since it is love that payeth for all yet by all this it is not meant that the opening up of the universe the vivid consciousness of a living reality and your relation with it which came to you in contemplation will necessarily be a constant or a governable feature of your experience even under the most favorable circumstances you shall and must move easily and frequently between that spiritual fruition and active work in the world of men often enough it will slip from you utterly often your most diligent effort will fail to recapture it and only its fragrance will remain the more intense those contacts have been the more terrible will be your hunger and desolation when they are thus withdrawn for increase of susceptibility means more pain as well as more pleasure as every artist knows but you will find in all that happens to you all that opposes and grieves you even in those inevitable hours of darkness when the doors of true perception seem to close and the cruel tangles of the world are all that you can discern an inward sense of security which will never cease all the waves that buffet you about shaking sometimes the strongest faith and hope are yet parts and aspects of one ocean did they wreck you utterly that ocean would receive you and there you would find overwhelming and transfusing you the unfathomable substance of all life and joy whether you realize it in its personal or impersonal manifestation the universe is now friendly to you and as he is a suspicious and unworthy lover who asks every day for renewed demonstrations of love so you do not demand from it perpetual reassurances it is enough that once it showed you its heart a link of love 
now binds you to it for evermore in spite of derelictions in spite of darkness and suffering your will is harmonized with the will that informs the whole we said at the beginning of this discussion that mysticism was the art of union with reality that it was above all else a science of love hence the condition to which it looks forward and towards which the soul of the contemplative has been stretching out is a condition of being not of seeing as the bodily senses have been produced under pressure of man's physical environment and their true aim is not the enhancement of his pleasure or his knowledge but a perfecting of his adjustment to those aspects of the natural world which concern him so the use and meaning of the spiritual senses are strictly practical too these when developed by a suitable training reveal to man a certain measure of reality not in order that he may gaze upon it but in order that he may react to it learn to live in with and for it growing and stretching into more perfect harmony with the eternal order until at last like the blessed ones of dante's vision the clearness of his flame responds to the unspeakable radiance of the enkindling light end of chapter 10 end of practical mysticism by evelyn underhill recorded by carla arnell lake forest illinois